Welcome to Green Wave Radio. Your episode starts now. Hey, welcome to Green Wave Radio. I'm Hayden Kim from the basement of my home. This COVID-19 outbreak has weighed on all of us. With this time of uncertainty, I decided to talk to someone who has basically become a regular in our, in our episodes, Father Michael, about the transition process and how we should take it. This conversation was recorded on Zoom on Tuesday, April 28th, 2020. What was the biggest adjustment for you, like, as headmaster, personally? Um, I would say just the, the overwhelming absence of people. You know, we have a couple of the secretaries are here. Mr. Rubling or Mr. Hartle come in on alternate days. Now I come here every day. There's a few other folks scattered here and there on campus, but you know, this is the time of year when people are outside more, where you know, the energy level is high and there's no one here. Uh, there's no traffic. There's no, the, the, the grass has grown in very thickly because it's not being walked on by students. You don't hear people laughing. You don't hear people um, the stomping of feet on the ceiling that you wonder what's going on up there. Um, it's very quiet. And, you know, when it's a cloudy day or not a great weather day, it can be very, it can be a little depressing. Um, it, a sad. And so a beautiful day like today is certainly uplifting and encouraging, but just the fact that people aren't here, you know, I went from a very busy schedule where I was at a lot of off-campus events, doing fundraising, all of that stopped. So my days have, you know, I've certainly plenty to do, you know, trying to keep things moving with the, with the team, uh, the administrative team remotely. You know, we have to keep thinking about how are we going to do this event that we should just do through routine, like this assembly, that event, graduation. We have to rethink all of that. And that takes a lot of energy. And, and ultimately though, despite all of our planning, like we have to be, we have to just accept the fact that it's what the governor tells us we can do and can't do is what's gonna determine what we do. So I'd say that, that lack of control over how to make things better for everyone, it, along with the absence of people from campus have been the two biggest things. But speaking of like administrative team, um, who's actually on campus with you? So uh, Mrs. Kernow and Mrs. Johnson are in the main office. Mr. Rubling and Mr. Hartle come in on alternate days. Some of the maintenance guys are here. More and more of them are working now. Uh, there's a couple of folks in the business office, but that's it. You know, some folks will stop by, like the people who live in faculty and staff housing will come and pick up their mail. So there are people that float through, but you don't see students, you don't see parents. Um, there are a few teachers who live here, you know, live on campus who you'll see a little bit more regularly, but even them we don't see them very often. So it's, it's a very small number of people. What, what would you say is like your biggest concern with this new arrangement as far as maybe in, in anything, either how school is going with classes or how you, the health of everyone on campus currently, especially in the monastery? Well, I would say certainly on the monastery side, you know, on the health side, you know, we've had several monks test positive for the virus. We have a monk who's in the hospital right now. He's 90 and he's pretty sick. So we live, obviously we live very close together. So we're very keenly aware of the challenges of staying healthy individually, even as we try to live our community life together. Um, but I worry about you and our, our parents, you know, some kids 
and families can adapt to this pretty quickly. And other, for other people, this is like the worst possible context for them to learn. You know, maybe their home lives are a little loud or a little chaotic for a lot of reasons, and school is the place where you can really focus. And, you know, parents are stressed about their finances, you know, about their jobs, just the general situation in the state and the country, maybe older relatives who, or people in your families who've had this virus. So there's all these pressures crowding in on us. And at the same time, we have our, our daily routines that we need to do. You know, people need to work, people need to study. And, you know, I, in particular, since I'm charged with, you know, my, one of the major things I'm charged with is maintaining the financial health of the school. You know, we want to make sure that every student's able to come back next year. We you know, do we need more money for financial aid because people are going to lose their jobs? That weighs on me because, you know, it's 147 people work here. 147 people's livelihoods depend on Del Barton School. Um, and so making sure that we're doing everything we can to, to build up our reserves and build up our resources to, in case of an emergency, um, that is particularly stressful as well. Um, I think you've done a fantastic job, at least with the transitioning part. What part of transitioning, like, just give me a rundown of how you guys transition. So if you think back to the second week of spring break, so I came back from our alumni visits to Florida uh, Wednesday the 11th. And at that point, I said, I said to several people here, we're going to reopen school unless the governor tells me I can't, which he did. So we learned on Thursday, okay, you're going to be closed for an initial two weeks, which was six weeks ago, over six weeks ago. So I said, all right, we have to figure out some ground rules for how we're going to do this. And Friday, that Friday before, it would have been Friday the 13th of March, we spent Several of us here in the conference room next to my office uh, spent several hours trying to build out the basic framework for this virtual Del Barton. And the best single idea that came out of those discussions was from Dr. Durso when he said, when he said, hey, we should survey our families, our kids, our students, our kids, our parents, and our teachers every week to monitor how things are going. And that has been the single, I think, single most important tool that we've had to get information from people like you. What's it like on the ground? What's it like in your room, in your house, in your neighborhood, so that we can make adjustments? So if you remember after the first week, we were pretty broad in our requirements. We got much more specific in the second week in response to the information we got from the surveys, you know, limiting the amount of work, limiting the uh, number of tests you could have, having creating that, that shortened class day. You know, we developed all of that in response to the survey data, and we've been able to maintain that pretty stably for about almost for five weeks. We've been in that same basic structure because the, the information you folks are sharing with us tells us that it works and that it's, it's accomplishing its purpose. So making that pivot, but being willing to say, okay, we made a mistake or we didn't take this into account, acknowledging that we did not have all the answers, but that together, parents, students, teachers, administrators together could come up with a good substitute. It's not an equivalent. It's not an equivalent to what we do here on campus every day, but it is a good substitute. And so far, the evidence suggests that that's the case. Um, if we return to school, what would be the biggest challenges you foresee? 
Well, um, as I said before, you know, what we do is determined by people outside of us. So whether you guys would have to wear masks or we would have to wear masks, or maybe we could only have two grades and three grades here at a time, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 on alternate days because that would allow us to spread out. There are all kinds of possibilities that could happen if that's what the government tells us we have to do. So how we do that could be really challenging. I mean, yeah, we have a lot of land, but you know, our school buildings are not particularly large. That's why we're adding uh, a building to build a new library and the guidance center and classrooms. So how we would have to adapt to whatever restrictions or requirements the state would lay down, it could well be that, yeah, we could theoretically reopen for the last two weeks of school, but if the requirements are so burdensome that it would interfere with the quality of our program, we might just say, oh, you know what, we're gonna finish out doing what we're doing now. We'll probably, even if we did that, we would probably have one day where we would have you all come back just to be together before the, to bring the year to a close before we, go, we break for the summer. Um, but what that would look like, we just don't know. Um, we, we would have to wait and see what the government says you must do before we figure out what we would do. What's your biggest goal for the coming transition period or like this, this on time of uncertainty? Like we don't know if we're gonna go back to school the next time until the governor's deadline. We don't know if it's gonna be after that. So what goal are you trying to reach? Because I know at least for a lot of people, it seems like monotonous doing the same thing over and over again, like Groundhog Day. But well, I think that's, that's the situation we all find ourselves in. Um, I find myself feeling like that quite often because we just, we don't know. And we don't, we don't wanna just plan and go around in circles and waste our energy until we have a, a more definite sense of what we're gonna be allowed to do and what's appropriate to do. So we have to develop that great Benedictine virtue of patience, that great Christian virtue of patience where, and I'm not a patient person by nature. So, you know, the fact that I don't know what we're going to do three weeks from now or two and a half weeks from now drives me nuts, but I can't do anything about it. So we have to learn to accept it. And it's hard to do. It's hard to do for adults. It's certainly hard to do for teenagers. Um, you guys are full of energy and life and enthusiasm and big dreams and doing the same bloody thing every day is not all that uh, exciting. Exciting. Yeah. So believe me, we empathize. It's like that here. It's the same, pretty much the same every day. Um, the normal rhythms of, and the patterns of school life uh, and of the school year are just not, just not available. And that's, it takes toll on everybody. In this time, I guess, what, what would be your biggest advice to students, I guess, like of all ages, trying to deal with this situation? Well, I think what I said just now is really important. The most important thing is being patient. Be patient with yourself. Acknowledge the fact that you feel bored. You might feel less than motivated. You miss your friends. Being with your family this much can be challenging sometimes when you're, you don't have your normal outlets to provide balance in your life. But so giving, giving your friends, your family in particular, the benefit of the doubt, being patient, and you know, being consciously attentive to the need to be patient and learning to let things, little things go, I think is the key. When you're living in close quarters like this without your normal outlets, we can all get on each other's nerves. So the more that we can be aware of how we might be a burden to others and how we can then 
limit that can make this a much more positive experience for everyone. All right, let's get to some more, I guess, nitty gritty details, I guess. Sure. Tell us what's happening with the learning commons. So the building is moving along quite nicely. It's uh, under budget and on schedule. We're actually probably gonna speed up the schedule. Um, fortunately, the governor's order did not limit our ability to uh, do construction here at school. So we've been able to continue right along. Uh, if you go on the website, you'll see the, uh, the basement is visible. The, the concrete, the excavated part of the basement is visible. They're doing continued work on the foundation and within a few, with, by the end of May, you'll start seeing the steel beams arrive and the framework of the building start to go up. So it's very exciting to see there's progress every day. You know, the normal tasks of cleaning up after the winter and getting ready for spring and summer are happening now. As I said, more and more of our maintenance guys are coming back to school. So we're getting to tackle a lot of like spring cleaning things that maybe we wouldn't get to at all or not get to until much later in the summer. But beyond that, there's not a whole lot. So it's, it's a very quiet place. Can you tell us a little bit about your plans for graduation and prom and that sort of thing? So what we would like to do is if we're not able, as seems likely, if we can't do our traditional approach to the prom, baccalaureate, and graduation, as I said in the morning meeting last week, we want to do a, a, a senior weekend where the prom for seniors would be on Friday night here on campus under a tent outside. Uh, the alumni would have their welcome to the Alumni Association barbecue on Saturday. And then we would do a combined baccalaureate mass and graduation ceremony on Sunday between 11 and 1 p.m. So exactly what Friday, Saturday, Sunday, what weekend that would be, we're not, we haven't made a final decision yet, but we do have a date picked out for June and a date picked out in late July. And we'll roll out the specifics of that to the seniors um, you said that if we weren't going to return to school, that we were going to have like a kind of get together, I guess, before. I, I, if that's possible, I'd like to. I just think it would be good for us to be together and to be able to be together even briefly before we go our separate ways for the summer. In, in that event, would that be the only thing you guys have planned for underclassmen? The At the moment, yes. At the okay. moment, yes. All right. Um, thank you. This has been great. All right. You're very welcome. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. A big thanks to Father Michael for appearing on our podcast again. With the world being stretched to its limit, I hope that everyone is staying safe. Make sure to thank the essential workers who are risking their lives to save those who are at the greatest risk of the virus. I'm Hayden Kim, and see you next time.